Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz get the 10-point victory last night, uh, 106-96 over Oklahoma City. Uh, now have two much-needed days off before back-to-back games to end the week and to help break it down. It's Matt Harper and kind enough to join us. Matt, how are you? Hey, Matt. I'm good, good. How are you guys? Good. good. Can you uh, can you tell, I mean, just from your perspective as a player, uh, you heard after the loss the other night, Jazz play, and they weren't making excuses, and they weren't saying that the loss is because of fatigue, but you could tell that fatigue had played a little bit of a role in that game. From your perspective as a player and a guy that's been in the game and know the grind of the NBA, can you tell when guys are really struggling out there uh, from fatigue? Yeah, I, at, at times, yeah. I mean, I think you know players do such a good job of, of covering it up and, and being able to play. And, you know, there's times just through being through the season of experience of <laughs> of having games come at you so much and you're at the tail end of the season where you're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, no one's 100% right now. You know, they just <clears> – <throat> all the injuries, the nagging injuries. Uh, you know, fans see the, the two hours a day on TV that they play, but there's so much that goes behind the scenes that gets them ready for that two hours. Um, and then the practice time, the grind, it's it's a tough. And you can see the Jazz, they need these two days off. Yes, I, at times um, I think the players do an excellent job of, of covering it up, but there's not a doubt in my mind they're tired and their legs – are tired, their bodies are feeling it, and you know they're they're pushing through. Matt, do you accept fatigue as an excuse for a loss? No, because um, everyone has to go through it. You know, it's it's part of the job description. This is this is the NBA. This is what you worked your entire life for. This is what uh, everyone wants to do. Uh, there's only you know four fifty five hundred people a year that are allowed to play in this league, and um, it's a privilege. So uh, even though it's there, it's something that you – I don't think you complain about. I don't think you talk about, but uh, you work through it. And every team goes through it. You know, sometimes your stretches are four games and five nights. Sometimes it's three and four. Um, sometimes it's six games and eight days or, or whatever it is. But uh, just with this season and COVID, there, it's just a lot. And it's a little bit more condensed than usual. And it's – you know, this is when you start seeing it is toward the end of the year. Um, and you hope, and a lot of teams, when you look around the league, are, are resting guys um, smartly and making sure that they're going to be healthy because what matters in the end is to have your fully loaded team in the playoffs uh, peaking at the right time. I thought Rudy Gobert had a good line last night, and I think it's uh, something we all need to know if we're ever on a treadmill is he says, well, when I'm tired, I tell my my body not to be tired anymore, and then I just go out and play. I'm like, okay, I guess if you're Rudy yeah, Gobert, yeah. You can, uh, that works for you. That's, that's good news. Hey, uh, yeah. should, Rudy go, should Rudy be in the uh, conversation for MVP? For MVP? Um, no. I'm going to go no there. Um, you know, he, he's a certain an impact player, uh, for sure, if you look at his numbers defensively. Uh, you can make an argument for it, uh, but that's not how the MVP has been judged in years past. And so with the way MVPs are, are picked every year and knowing what that award is about, I don't think Rudy um, is going to come probably in the top three even. Um, should he? Yeah, yeah, you could certainly make the argument because uh, he's as impactful as Donovan is. He might even be more impactful for this team for what he does and what he covers 
and how he is. Um, but I don't, I don't think, you know, they're, they're going to ever give it to a guy, you know, that is not more offensively um, involved. You know, when you, when you take six or seven shots a game and um, your, your main area is defense, it's going to be hard. I think Donovan would get more consideration uh, if you're going to look at the jazz for that. If you were not giving a six-man award for the NBA, just giving a six-man award to this Utah Jazz roster, who are you giving the six-man award to right now? Uh, Jordan Clarkson. Is that what you're? Is that the question? I'm sorry, I, I kind of misunderstood your question. Is that, that what you mean? That is the question. With Joe Ingles, of course, on the bench, and I'm, I'm sure in the discussion. Yeah. No, it, it would be Jordan Clarkson. I, I think he's had a, a good enough year. Now he's got to finish. Um, but for the, the what he has had so far. Um, it's been unbelievable. And the leading score off the bench and how he does it. And, and you know, if you look at his numbers, uh, they are they are good. Now, but if you also look at the numbers, they're starting to dip a little bit post-All-Star uh, break. So I'm hoping that uh, this rest time that he's having right now is going to get his body going again. Because I, I feel like, you know, before uh, the, the injury or the, the time off that, you know, maybe he was, the legs were starting to be affected. And, and you know, once the legs go, the jump shot, it, it all is kind of goes together. So I, I do feel like if he, if he continues to play the last end of this season, like he was, um, he's going to get it because he's been, he's been tremendous. He's been phenomenal. Last night, Donovan Mitchell at 22 points, but the four games prior, 42, 42, 37, 41. What have you seen in the last uh, week or so from Donovan Mitchell in that high level point total? Yeah, um, another level, really. I, you know, it's it's just hard to score forty in an NBA game. I, it, you know, we kind of take it as like, oh, Donovan at forty. It's very difficult to do, and the fact that he did it four times in a row, I mean, it's incredible. Um, I mean, you're in with the elite of the elite when you start talking uh, those types of numbers. Um, just scoring twenty in the NBA is tough, and then thirty brings you to another level, and then forty is kind of superhuman. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. It's incredible to watch, um, and what surprised me was the fact that the other night he was rolling in the first quarter, and then in the third quarter, I think he missed 11 straight shots, and you know, you're know you going into the fourth quarter thinking, okay, what's his mentality going to be going into the fourth quarter, and he got it back, and that's hard to do as a player is to go through a struggle of missing 11 in a row, and then to come back and keep your keep your focus, keep your aggressiveness, and then win the game. Uh, he's just got some some competitive DNA in him that's uh, very elite that obviously not a lot of people have, but is bringing him to places that I, not even myself and I think a lot of Jazz fans thought he could get to at such an early age, and he's getting to him. I mean, he's only a four, four-year guy, but he's, he's certainly playing like an eight-year guy. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and and his rhythm and his timing and him really leaving the perimeter in last night's game and getting to the rim for his 23 points. Talk about where Boyan is right now in his recovery, in his belief in himself on the perimeter, and as an overall starter for the Jazz. Yeah, I think I. To me, this is kind of the bogey that I think a lot of Jazz fans were expecting is what you're seeing as of late. Um, kind of a, a versatile guy that can hit the three. You can't leave him wide open or he'll make you pay. And then but can also post you up and, and get the ball in the middle um, and go to the foul line. He took 10 free throws last night. 
um, it's a good number, and he's getting into the paint. I think there was a part of the year where he was dribbling and having a lot of turnovers. He was having a hard time uh, with his rhythm, and I think just figuring out where he sits at times on this team. Uh, the fun part of this is, you know, if the Jazz get fully back and healthy and they got the loaded roster and then you bring on bogey playing like this, um, it's just going to bring an added dimension that they're going to be even more difficult to defend. Um, so, and that's kind of what we went through with the bubble is, you know, the talk after the bubble, after they lost to the Denver Nuggets was, oh, well, bogey wasn't here. I think he would have been a big difference. And I think hopefully, I mean, you knock on wood, but if the Jazz are fully healthy heading into the playoffs, they're going to have bogey here. So they're going to have their full team. And as we know, their offense and when they're clicking, they're tough. Oh, uh, I got to imagine, you know, as a, as a player and a guy that, that uh, you know, when you go up against players, you, you have a lot of respect for them. So we, even even though you're competitors, when you see a fellow competitor go down with an injury, your heart goes out for them. But when you look at yeah. the Denver Nuggets, are they – do you kind of uh, look at them as and, and kind of not necessarily consider them the contender they once was after that injury? For myself, um, yeah. You know, it's it's unfortunate. It's part of sports. And it's it's something that as athletes and former athletes and you you just hate to see. I don't care. You just don't wish it on anyone, because um, you know if you're in it and if you've ever been hurt or injured before, you know the grind for the next 12 months. You know the work that you got to put in just to get back to where you were, uh, and hopefully you can get a little bit better. But it's it's just it's going to be tough. Um, and then. You know, the other thing that I think about when stuff like this happens is all the stuff you did in the off season and all the, the work you put in behind the scenes um, to get to the point in the playoffs where you can win and have a chance to win. And then that's sad because he's uh, obviously not going to be able to, to try to help his team win a championship. And so, you know, that work is going to get unnoticed uh, by a lot, not for him, but for a lot. And um, for the Nuggets, I, I think they, they had a legit chance. I think Murray is a, is a borderline, you know, all-star superstar, kind of like he's got to be more consistent. Um, but that that's tough. I, I just uh, – losing a, a big offensive threat like that, uh, they're still going to be in the playoffs, obviously, but I, I don't know if they're title contenders anymore, in my opinion. Matt, Scotty and I were having a conversation yesterday about the Jazz in the one seed or, or how important it is for the Jazz to retain the one seed possibly fall down to the two or three in your opinion is it worth sacrificing minutes and potential health and exhaustion to keep the one seed or do you take the rationale of resting guys and making sure that their health is primary concern even if it means falling down two or three yeah i would never sacrifice health i mean if, if someone's legit injured uh you know, I, I would say, yeah, you don't want to get injured more. However, if you're at the nagging stage and you can push through, you're at the one seed and you can protect it. You got to go for it. I mean, this doesn't happen often. This is, <laughs> this is what you work for. And when you have it and you see it, uh, you got to maintain it because it's a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to have home court throughout. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at in the Lakers and you're saying, Oh, well they're resting their guys. But yeah, you know, they played a lot longer than the jazz last year and LeBron's a lot older. And, you know, you can, you can make excuses going that route, but for the jazz, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of guys that have played in a lot of tough playoff games. And 
they didn't go far last year in the playoffs. And, you know, they, they should be ready for this grind here coming up. They're, they're a young team. You know, Conley's 33. I mean, he's still not that old. Everyone else is, is young. Um, to me, you go for it. You maintain that one spot. And I think it's crucial to, to have that going into the playoffs. Matt Harpering joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jazz, one of the top teams in the NBA in terms of allowing fans in attendance. Uh, and I always want to get your opinion as a player because, you know, some of us media schlubs, we say stuff, but we've never played at that level, so we have no idea. So I wanted to get your opinion on this. If the Jazz are playing in a playoff game, and, and let's say they even increase capacity even more, and they've got, you know, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 fans in attendance, and they're playing a team, let's say they play the Clippers who can only have a handful of fans in attendance. Does that make a difference at the NBA level? Could that help uh, sway things in the Jazz' favor just based on that alone? Or do we kind of overemphasize uh, fan attendance more than maybe we should? Uh, yes, it makes a huge difference, and you don't emphasize it enough. I mean, it is a big deal. There, without a doubt, even the fans last night had an impact on the game, and it, it, it's loud. I mean, it. it <laughs> There's a reason why home court advantage is, is called home court advantage. I mean, it's a real thing. Um, you know, when you go play at another arena and it's not loud and it's not obnoxious and it's not full, um, it's a lot easier to focus. I mean, it is a lot easier to make a jump shot. Uh, look at the bubble. I mean, the, the shooting in the bubble was off the charts because, you know, they just didn't have the nagging fans. Um, I've played a lot of years and I've talked to a lot of teammates. I played against Utah in – you know, that arena many times before I joined the Jazz. It is very difficult. If the Jazz can get fans in that building, the more the better. Obviously, uh, abiding by the health and protocols, but it's a significant advantage. And especially in Utah, um, where somehow that building just seems to be louder than a lot of the other arenas around the league. And it's it's exciting, it's fun, and it's, I mean, it, yes, is a simple answer if it helps or not. Absolutely. Last thing from me, Matt, and, and another kind of debate that Scotty and I were going back and forth on. Uh, would you rather see the Dallas Mavericks with Porzingis and Doncic or Golden State with Steph Curry and Draymond in the first round of a playoff series? Uh, would I rather? Um, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. Um, I think, you know, they both have positives. They, they're both negatives. You know, with, when you're dealing with great players, and I'm going to throw out Steph Curry, I mean, if you get Steph on a night where he's just incredibly on fire, that's going to be a tough night. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, if he goes out for 50. I, I think the Jazz have better teams than, than both of those teams. Mm-hmm. You know, Doncic is obviously a great player. He's going to be unguardable at times. Um, I don't know. I, I would look into the matchups more. I, I would have to do more homework to, to look at that. Uh Either way, I think in a seven-game series, especially if Jazz have the home court, um, I'm not too – I don't think they're too worried about it. I think they're overall just a better team. Mm-hmm. Matt, appreciate it as always. Uh, thanks for your time, and uh, look forward to catching up with you again here soon. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks, guys. Former Jazz man in the league for a long time, now on the Jazz broadcast, Matt Harpering right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.